0: In Christ alone, in Christ alone, wow. <clears throat> Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Amen. Christ is all that matters and he lives in you if you have chosen to make him Lord, if you've done as we heard in those songs, if you've... If you've given him that place, that permission, it's been a really interesting week for me. I took my cousin's funeral on Wednesday. I had to go and bless a house the day after. I've been with quite a few of the, the homeless folk in the street this week. Um, in fact, one man that I see, try and see most mornings, I saw him this morning, and he asked me, "What are you up to today?" And I said, "I'm preaching in church today." really great. You'll do good. You know, six weeks ago or something, last time I spoke and I said to him, I'm preaching in church. He said, um, oh, what? Do you believe that stuff? (laughs) Today he said, oh, that's great. (laughs) You know, hearts are changing slowly. We want to see instant transformation. We want to see you know, I used to see at camps, at kids' camps, when I when I worked in the children's camps, we used to see little ones come to the Lord on, I say, a, a Friday night, and then on Saturday morning, their leader would come to me and say, "Chris, you know, Joseph came to the Lord last night, but man, he's out there cussing and swearing, and he just beat someone up. He's not a Christian." And I'd say, "Look, you know, the Lord's got to mould us slowly, and He works in us, and He brings us. and Don't don't you dare tell him he's not a Christian." You know, he came to the Lord, and we expect instant bang, but we don't expect that in ourselves. We expect it in those around us, but we forget about looking in the mirror at ourselves. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. That's not a case of, Father, can you take away these sinful things within me? Yes, pray that prayer, ask for his help, but you put it to death. You make the decision. The scripture says, put to death. That's up to me to look at those things within me that are wrong, that are outside of the will of God, and it's up to me to decide and to choose and to put them to death. The Lord's put, they've they've been crucified on the cross. They were were there with Christ when he was crucified. Every sin that I've ever had, every sin I'm going to commit because I will, and so will you. But every single one of them, they've they've already been there on the cross. But we pick them up again. And we think, oh, I just, just want to play with this today. You know, like a little bit of plasticine. Maybe just see if it still fits in my fingers. See if it still works. No. You put to death. Put to death every sinful, earthly thing lurking within you. It's a choice that you and I have to make. Can't stand by two microphones, they make funny noises. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. Well, we, we know about that, you know. Sexual immorality, well, we're pretty clean, we don't do that sort of stuff. We're not, you know, we're not sleeping around, we're not committing adultery, we're not doing these. I hope, I pray, I trust. I had a friend who's a very good friend of mine, a man I I honor and a man I respect deeply. He's the principal of a Christian school. He's probably got about 120, 130 students under him. He's also an elder in a church, and he stood in his church to preach, and as he was speaking, I can't remember the passage he was speaking from, but this was relevant to the sermon that he was giving. He stood and he said, in my office this week, I turned on my computer and up-flashed a pornographic image right there, right smack front in front of me before I even had a chance to do anything. It just came straight up on his computer. And we're all sort of sitting there just like you are in silence because, you know, it's the principal of the school. It's an elder. Now, remember this. Almost all of his students were sitting in the congregation. So this is big. And that, this man then looked out across the congregation and he said, I need to confess I lingered, I lingered, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, well he only lingered but he confessed this in front of the whole congregation and in front of the, his students in the school, he said I lingered and then he said I shook to myself to my senses and I quickly turned off the, flicked it to another screen you know then he looked around and he said, but I didn't flick it to another screen because of my desire not to be involved. I, I lingered. I flicked it to another screen in case somebody walked into my office and saw what I was looking at. I flicked it to another screen in case my wife came from her office and came through and saw me. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. He confessed that to the whole congregation. And I believe that in the lives of his students, he just, I mean, he went up. Bigger in our esteem, but the life of, lives of his students, they learned a little lesson from their principal that day. You know, confess your sins one to another. And as he confessed from up front, and he said, You know, I should have flicked that screen off instantly because I wanted to, because I wanted to honor my Lord, because I wanted Christ to be all that matters, but I lingered. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity. Lust and evil desires. That could be all manner of things, can't it? Our evil desires. And sometimes someone's someone's desire is right for them and not right for me. But evil desires. Desires that give the enemy a smile. Have nothing to do with them. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater. Greedy. Jeepers. you see my family on Christmas dinner day. You know? The plates get full. I looked up the definition of greedy. <coughs> an excessive desire to acquire or possess more than what one needs or deserves, especially with respect to material wealth. But that first bit, an excessive desire to acquire or possess more than one what one needs or deserves. If any of us are walking around with more than we need, we're walking in greed. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater. I looked up idolatry because it's just kind of fun to look up definitions, even though you know the meaning of a word. (coughs) One who worships idols. Well, that's what we figured the meaning was. But listen to this. One who blindly or excessively admires or adores another. One who pays divine honor to images, statues, or representatives of anything one who worships a deity that is not God. But that one in the middle struck me. One who blindly or excessively admires or adores another. We can fall into that trap pretty easily, you know? Especially young and in love. You adore your, your newfound mate that you just think the sun shines out of every part of them. You begin to adore them, you begin to give them all your time, all your energy, everything. And we all say, well, that's how it should be. One who excessively adores another at the cost of their relationship with God is an idolater. (coughs) Worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Because of greed, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, idolatry. Worshipping things that are not God. Because of these things, the anger of God is coming. Now remember, Paul is not writing to some of my homeless friends on the street. He's writing to the church. He's writing to you and I. The church in Colossians, yes but it's relevant to where you and I are today. Because of these things, the anger of God is coming. Sometimes we think, yes, but I'm forgiven. I've given my life, I'm forgiven. Yes, you are. When a young child is playing in the street playing out on the road in front of the house, you know, and they're, and they're riding their bike up and down the street or, or doing something like that. Dad doesn't go running out every two seconds and say, oh, you're a good boy, Johnny, you're riding on the footpath, and goes back in and, and has a half a sip of his cup of tea and looks like, oh, oh, you're a good boy, Johnny, you're walking on the footpath. But when Dad sees Johnny decide to ride his bike out on the road where it's dangerous, he's out there like a flash, and he's grabbing him by the hand, not by the ear, and gently bringing, you know, <laughs> possibly with a little tap. That's illegal now, so... <laughs> Dad's bringing him very swiftly off the, off the road because Dad doesn't want to see him get into that danger. Our God is looking at us very swiftly, and Dad will be a little bit angry because he's told Johnny every time, don't take your bike on the road. And Johnny says, well, you know, this is fun. Look at how I could go, I could go way faster out there. You know. So Dad gets a little bit annoyed with him and when he brings him back in off the road. And I mean, my dad, when I was a kid, I had a motorbike, it was my mum's motorbike, actually, but I, I rode it. And, and I was riding her bike, and, um, and I came around a corner, and Dad had always said, you fall off just the first time, and I'm taking the wheels off the bike. Well, I came around a corner, and there was an oil slick, and it was raining, and I fell off, and I scratched my chin. And I tried to walk around everywhere like this so that Dad wouldn't know, but he saw it, and he took the wheels off the bike. God's going to be watching us. I mean, God is watching us. And his anger will be sparked at these things in our lives. If we're not willing to put them right, if we're not doing what it says, put to death, have nothing to do with, don't be. Get rid of these things that are causing these issues. Get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander and dirty language. Now, I always used to be kind of proud of the fact that I grew up in a family where, where where, I mean, shut up was a swear word and you got your bottom smacked. And so I never grew up with the issue, in the, I never had that problem, that habit never formed in me of, of swearing and foul language. And I was quite proud of that, and I thought that kind of made me, you know, cut above everybody else at school, because I didn't swear, and I didn't do those things. But as I grew up, I discovered there were other things in my life that were just as, you know, just as wrong, just as outside of God's will, just as outside of his... And you might not, you might not entertain dirty language, but maybe you slander... Maybe you've said something about somebody behind their back and you've put them down. You know? Malicious behavior. Anger. Rage. I've seen just recently a man fly into an absolute rage over something very minuscule. I don't know what had been happening in his life before then, but he just flew into a rage that actually scared me. I I took off as fast as I could. The rage was so heavy and this man was a a man who professed to be a man of God. But his rage went crazy. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Don't lie to each other. Hey, but I only lie when I want to save somebody's feelings. You know? I don't want to Hurt someone, so I tell a little, just a little lie to help them out, to make them feel better, to make them don't lie to each other. You know, you could spend a whole year just on this passage alone. There are so many little things in here, and gems and things, and little ones that go ouch. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. You have stripped off your old sinful nature. You've given it to Christ. You've bowed down at the cross of Christ and you've said, I surrender. Last week up at Tiki, they sang, I surrender, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. And I just looked out at the congregation and I said, if you sung that song and you did not mean the words that you were singing, you need to go before the Lord and repent. Because we need to mean what we say and say what we mean. That means we need to mean what we sing and sing only what we mean. It's easy to stand up in church and sing some of these hymns and they're amazing and the songs are beautiful and the words in them are fantastic. But if you don't mean what you're singing, don't sing it. Because you, you, you're lying to the Lord. Mean what you sing. You have stripped off your old sinful nature. When Christ died on the cross, he took every sin, every sickness, every wound, every scrap of immorality, and he was punished in ways we can't even begin to imagine. And when we come to him and we say, I believe, and we choose to accept and to bow the knee to him, every one of those things on me gets taken off. And I've, I've, I've stripped off the old sinful nature. And Christ is all that matters. Does that matter? That mean that these things don't flare up? Of course they flare up, and I, I have to face them regularly every day, different things in my life. But the more I focus on that sin or that problem, the less I can see of Christ. But when I bring Christ into the forefront and put my focus on him, the less I can see of the problem. There is nothing that the nearness of Christ won't cure. There is nothing that the nearness of Christ won't give you the strength to come through. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in you. He's living in you. Let him live through you. Let him be so reflected in you that nobody can see you, they can only see him. I was talking to, I think it was in Tiki Panga, I, the, I just, the Lord gave me an illustration, and my husband Bjorn used to eat garlic like crazy. And I'd often come home, and he'd have the frying pan on the stove, and he'd have some butter in there, and he'd have uh, <coughs> mountains of garlic, just masses of garlic in there. And I'd walk into the house and go, oh! And, you know, I'd kind of ex- I like garlic, but this was like... He used to complain at my curry, but his garlic... You know, and he'd be in there, and he'd have this massive big pile of garlic in there, and he'd cook it all up and fry it all up, and then he'd have some onions, and then he'd, he'd boil up a pot of what, spaghetti noodles, and he'd mix them all together, and he'd just that was his favorite treat, and he'd be eating all of that. And for days afterwards, garlic would be coming out of his pores, you know, you could smell it when he walked through the house, you could, you know, he'd shower and everything, but garlic was just oozing out of him. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, that's how we're to be with Christ. We, we take him in so much. We take so much of Christ within us that he's oozing out of us. But you can't help it. When Christ becomes your sole focus, your sole reason for being, when Christ truly is all that matters, he comes out of you. You can't help it. You can't change it. You can't stop it. He just comes out of you, you know, like garlic, but nicer. When people look at you, are they seeing Jesus? Or are they seeing a grumpy old sod that just needs to kind of stop sucking lemons? You know? What are we seeing when we look at one another? Are we seeing love? Are we seeing acceptance? Are we seeing encouragement? Are we seeing ourselves being built up? Or do we come here because we know it's a joyful place where we're going to feel ourselves built up and encouraged and able to face going out into the world and going out into our neighborhood and going out to our workplace, our schools, wherever it is that we go all week? Or are we coming in here and getting so bolted down because of our stern faces and our strictness and our rules and our regulations that, that you know, I'm talking broadly of the whole body of Christ, the whole church. We bring so many things in and make these things our rules and our regulations that we forget that Christ is. Is all that matters. I sent some young children to a local church in the city. And I sent them there because it was the closest church to their home, and they'd come. They were just little guys, uh, intermediate age. They were old enough to be able to walk to church, and their parents didn't mind. I sent them to a local church. Those little guys turned up there in the best clothes they had, they were turned away because their best clothes weren't good enough. Their shirts were stained, they didn't have any shoes. Our rules and our regulations become all that matters. When scripture says Christ is all that matters. You know, our congregation right here, one of our beautiful um, Christmas carol nights I had a, a young woman come with me, and she was a little bit drunk, but she'd asked to come, and I brought her along. You know, and, and she was a bit wriggly and she was a bit uncomfortable, but she was, she was enjoying it, and, and she came further through, and um, a couple of people from the congregation helped in discipling her and working with her. And she eventually went into a drug rehab type place. And that. But you know, during that service, somebody came and spoke to her and told her she needed to behave herself. That was right here. We need to examine ourselves, family, because we put people off. And Christ is all that matters, and he lives in you and me, and let's see him come out of our pores like garlic. And if you remember nothing else, just remember to take Christ in as all that matters in you, so he comes out of you, and people around can't help but being influenced Because Christ is all that matters, and he lives in you. Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator. Learn to know. That had me stop and think too. Learn to know. There's so much more to learn, to develop, to grow, to understand about our creator. We put him in our little box or our big box, you know, we could put them in a great big box, but it's still not big enough. There's so much for you and I to learn about our God, about our Creator, about who He is and how we can share Him and the enormity of His love. My friend this morning, you know, he's got a Buddha sitting up on top of his van. And all I tell him is that that concrete buller, mate, it's going to put a big dent in the roof of your van. And that's about all it's good for. Um, and he, he just laughs. He said, Oh, it makes me feel peaceful. But for him this morning to say, "Really, you're going to preach? You'll enjoy that. That'll be good." That was such a big step from a few weeks ago when he was mocking me. You know. Another man came to see me last night. He had tea with me and my mum, in mum's van. And um, see, I come from a whole family of of wanderers and our vans. His mum lives in hers too. But this bloke came and had tea with us. His name is Steve. He's 78 or something like that an old guy lives in his van on his own and uh, he came to see us and he had tea with us and he looked at me and he said you know that hernia that you've been praying about I said yeah how's it going he said it's still there, it's still a bit sore it's not as bad, I've been walking on the loop, he couldn't walk 100 metres without doubling over in pain and he said the last five days I've walked the loop he said really slowly but I've done it in just over an hour And he said, I have to stop and take it easy and just check my hernia. But then he said, but guess what? The real prayer, the real answer is the hospital who said that I wouldn't even be able to look at me till till sort of June, July next year have said they're going to call him in in the next week to get it looked at and get it checked. And he's so excited and he's saying, God's answering your prayer. I thought he was going to take it away, but he's getting me in my appointment sooner. And he's starting to ask questions. Let Christ be all that matters in you. Learn to know your creator and become like him. We're not going to be a whole bunch of little Jesuses walking around. You're still going to be Phil and you're still going to be Tom and you're still, you know, still going to be Margaret. And you're going to walk around there as you and the person that God created you to be. But Christ is going to ooze through you and touch the lives of those around you. When you become like Him, when you make Christ all that matters, all that matters, you know? I've got things in my life that matter. My three little dogs matter to me. Um, I've got things I'd like. I'd love a motorcycle. But is that a need or is it a greed? Become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilised, slave or free. There are so many things in our society and in our world today that are not actually listed completely on that, but we could add them to that list because we've allowed things in society and in the way of our living and in our culture to cause separations and gaps between us as people. And sadly, gaps between us as a church. Does it matter that I worship here and my friend worships at C3? Does it matter that I worship here and my other friend worships in a house church somewhere out in the back of Tikipanga? Doesn't matter. We are one body. We are one people. Don't take offence. Does it matter that I'm vaccinated and my friend isn't? We have allowed even that to cause a rift within within us as a body of Christ. And both sides, I'm not saying any one side is better than the other, both sides, everybody, we need to pull ourselves up and remember Christ is all that matters. If my friend believes it's right for him to be completely vaccinated and boosted, praise God. If my friend believes that it's right for her to be not vaccinated, praise God. It's none of my business. My business is to pray for them and uplift our Father. These things that have come into the church and have caused division all over the world, and I've watched from the side and I've thought, oh, Father, help us to remember that the love of God came for every single one of us. And sadly, I really felt that I had to say there, Circumcised, uncircumcised, vaccinated, unvaccinated. It's got nothing to do with how much a person loves or cares for their fellow believers, for fellow mankind. It's whatever is honourable and right before them and in their prayers with the Lord. And you may not agree with me, that's okay. Okay. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. When I'm working outside on the, I'm 24-7 out there on the, on the street and amongst the community, I see some ridiculous things. One of my brothers, he's a, he's a neat young, young man, Christian guy, lives in his van, he goes to C3 Church, um, Recovering from a very severe broken back, has all sorts of things going on in his lives in his life, um, but but he loves the Lord and he cooks up massive big meals in the back of his little van. He's got it's just a little um, Mazda, I think. I don't I don't know little Mazda Mitsubishi. We had the discussion yesterday. It's a Mitsubishi. He's got a one single one gas element burner, and he has it in there. And he's got a big pot. It's a big burner and a gas bottle, and he's got this big pot about this big, and he cooks up massive pots of mince. And, I mean, he gets the mints and he buys the rice or he, buys, he goes and collects watercress, whatever it is. He cooks up this big pot of food and then he's, he's standing outside. I mean, this I'm talking 10 o'clock at night. And standing outside his van and then the next thing he's just looking to the people around and say, saying, Hey, you want some kai? Come have some kai. You know, and normally there, there'll be about eight, nine of us gathered around his van having, having mints and watercress or curry or sometimes it's curry lamb and that's really good. He's a really good cook. Um, he studied he started cooking, he was a chef, I think, in the army, um, but that's where he broke his back. And he does all that, but you know what else? He's got a little tomato plant. That's what he told me it was. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, he gets it out of his van and he sits it, sits it in the flax bushes. And mum and I, you know, we, we go and get it and we hide it sometimes. We, we move it around, it's his little baby, it's his little precious and he puts it in the flax bushes down in the, where we're parking, so that it can get some sunlight and everything else. And we just sort of might move it along about four flax bushes, leave it there. Well, yesterday he had it out in the flax bushes, and I kept sort of saying, "Hey, hey!" In his name, "Look out! Look out! The police! There's some police coming! They're just walking around, looking around the gardens." Oh man, you could have seen him run! He dived out of his van. He ran over there. He grabbed his tomato plant, and he took it and he put it under his bed. And I was just about rolling on the ground. Um, and he said, "What? What? You lying?" Oh, uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. But um, can I, you know, I could get all judgmental on him and I could tell him the sins of his drugs and the sins of breaking the law with what he's doing and with what he's growing this marijuana plant, I mean tomato plant. <laughs> but clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This guy used to be out of it on alcohol. And when I first met him about four or five months ago, he was out of it on drugs every second day. Now it might be three or four weeks of being, being level and not, not drugged, not out of it. Yesterday a whole bunch of his friends came and parked around us and they were all drinking whatever spirits they were drinking out of their bottles. And my friend, uh, my brother, he said to them, No, no, I'm not having any. Just looked at him and grinned, you know. And he said, I've got to go to church tomorrow. I'm not messing around with this stuff today. That is growth. That is huge. And he's learning. But is he is he rubbing his friends away? No, he's still cooking meals for them. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Once upon a time I would have been offended by him having this marijuana plant next tomato plant next to, you know, just behind my van. Because it's wrong. It's it's against the law. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. An instance happened to me out on the street within the last four months where um, something pretty, pretty horrific happened with a, a bloke that's out on the street and it was... It was a, a, it got a bit abusive, and some things were were happening, and I actually retreated and went to stay with friends out of town for a little while, just to try and regain some, some equilibrium. And somebody said to me, you know, until you get angry with him, you have to get really angry with him. You have to let rage build up in you, toward him, so that you can start to get better. But it couldn't come. I don't feel that rage. You know, the scripture says no. You must forgive. Forgive those who offend you. Forgive those who come against you. It doesn't say it's going to be easy, but it says that Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us, and in Christ I can forgive this man who got as aggressive as he did while we were out on the streets. (coughs) And Chris, no, I can't. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to see some things happen to him, but in Christ, in Christ, I have and I know, and I'm free. And I saw him just a couple of days ago, and I was able to give him a wave and say hi. He's not talking to me. This is a man who's a brother who claims to be a brother in Christ. He's not talking to me, and he's spreading slander. But it doesn't matter because Christ is in me, excuse me, (coughs) it doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter the rumors and the slander that he spreads because Christ is in me and Christ is all that matters and the people that I work with see Christ in me and they know me. It doesn't matter what this man says and it doesn't matter what that person says at work or anywhere else that's slandering or coming against you. Christ is all that matters. Run into him. Let him be your shield. Let him be your fortress. Let him be your strength. Let him be the one that protects and guards and surrounds you. Above all, clothe yourself with love. This is another action that we do. Put it on. Put on love. Clothe yourself with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. If I'd let anger well up in me towards this man and allowed the anger to become what mattered, I would be feeling bitter, I would be feeling disgruntled, aggressive, whatever. I'd be feeling all sorts of things toward him. And it would come out of me like garlic to all those around me. Because it does. If it became my focus, it would come out of me. It would be obvious. It would be seen. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Always be thankful. We had a beautiful time together this morning, and we've been able to be thankful and to express our thanks and our And our prayers, always be thankful. Express thanks and encouragement to each other. Someone holds a door, thank you. When a motorhome pulls over and lets you drive past, a little toot of thank you is really nice. Start exercising gratitude. Start showing thankfulness. Because that is one of the things that shows people who you belong to. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sometimes when I'm out on the street and I'm talking to people, I've got to stop and pause because it would be really easy for me to try and think, oh, I know the answer to that. But what is the the wisdom of Christ? What's his wisdom in that situation? And sometimes I've found out it's completely opposite to what I think it is. (coughs) Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And this bit I love. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever. That's everything. Let everything you do or say be done as a representative of Jesus Christ. Next time you want to floor it to beat that orange light, they're going to red. Next time you want to do whatever it is that's irritating you or showing you, let everything you do or say be done as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ because we are his ambassadors. We are what the people in our community are seeing. And we are the ones, we're carrying his invitation. And sometimes, if I'm in a foul mood and I'm walking around and people are seeing it and it's obvious, the last thing they're going to do is going to want to come to something I invite them to. But if I'm living and acting and believing as a representative of the Lord Jesus, people are interested and people want to know. So let's give thanks to him, through him, to God, the Father. And let's be garlic in the world around us. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in you. All that is true about Christ is living in you. His power, his authority his strength, his wisdom, his love, his peace, his comfort, his sonship is living in you. Let him live through you.